I heard a story one time about some children that went to Africa with their grandparents. When they came home and they were coming down through the, through the airport and they were going to meet their parents, one of the little boys ran up to his mom and the first thing out of his mouth was this. Mom, mom, she was expecting him to talk about the giraffes and the zebras and the elephants and the, the desert plains and all of that. He says, mom, mom, she's just getting ready for all the wonderful stories. He says, guess what? Granddad can take his teeth out. <laughs> it's like you went to Africa and that was the, the, the remaining impression I can promise you this. My wife and I, were new grandparents, as you know. Our only grandchild's month and a, a year and a month old now. And we aim for much more impact than taking our teeth out. <laughs> I promise you. And no, I can't take them out right now. I don't have hair, but I do have teeth. The reality is this, every one of us have to deal with the generation gap. There's a gap of understanding, there's a gap of trust sometimes, there is, there is a gap of experience, there's a, there's a gap. But, but the, one of the last prophets, the last prophetic book in the Old Testament is Malachi. And Malachi made this statement in chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Can you throw that up there? See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. We need an Elijah anointing today that will turn the hearts of generations toward one another, not away from one another. I feel this very deeply. There's a lot of gray hair in this room today, and I, I just, I'll come back to it later, but I want you to know that I honor you. And what you have does not need to go to the grave with you. You need to leave it with somebody. You need to leave it with somebody. Don't die with your lessons learned hidden in your heart. We have to answer several basic questions in order to span the generation gap. The first one is what's at stake? What's at stake? What's at stake with one generation passing down a legacy to another generation? The first thing that's at stake is blessing for the younger generation. You know, there's a lot of promises in the Bible about how the younger generation treats the older generation. As a matter of fact, honoring your father and mother is, is the command with a promise, with the promise of a blessing. Because of the older generation's sacrifice and labor of love, because they're vulnerable and because they hold treasure that is needed by the succeeding generations, this is what's at stake. All of those things. All of those things. The blessing God wants to give to the younger generation is at stake. The reward of the older generation. 
the reward of the older generation. The older generation, you will be judged on what you did with the younger generation. You will be judged. One day you will stand in front of your master and he will ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? And one of the things that you want to be able to say is, I didn't die with it in my heart. I gave it away. I passed it on. The third thing is this, and Pastor Seth will come back to this in a moment. The continuance of the gospel is at stake. There's people sitting in this room today that will not be here 10 years from now. I don't even want to think about that. I don't even want to think about that. I love these people here in this room. And I don't even want to think about that. But I'm telling you, what we do with our legacy and what we do with the lessons we've learned in life, what we do with the, the things we've seen God do, what we do with that treasure has everything in the world to do with whether the gospel goes forward in the next generation. I understand some of you are thinking right now, oh, I'd love to do that, but they don't want it. They don't want to listen. I don't know. Just, just hang with us. We're going to deal with that. Pastor Seth and I are right, right now. Right now. Exodus 16.32 says this, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. Say that with me. For the generations to come. So that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. Can I tell you something? I went through the concordance. That phrase, for the generations to come, is mentioned 39 times in Genesis to Deuteronomy. 39 times. God was concerned that the lessons learned, the demonstration of His glory and love and power would be handed to the next generation and the next and the next and the next. I'd say God was pretty concerned about this transmission from one generation to another. They don't even include the references to for a thousand generations. Look that one up. You know what? I'm the product of a grandmother and grandfather that when I was five years old in their home on the weekends, I saw them get on their knees and pray for everybody in our family, including me. And at the time, it was like, you know, when's this going to be over? But now I treasure it. Because you know what? I am the product of my grandparents' prayers. I am the product of my grandparents and my great-grandparents. My grandparents started serving Jesus in the Depression. And they served Him faithfully and they sacrificed and they demonstrated the truth of the gospel. They weren't flashy. They weren't wealthy. They, they weren't charismatic in the personality sense. But they were solid day by day followers of Jesus. And it shows in the succeeding generation. Some of you don't have that heritage. 
I'm not trying to make you feel like you missed out. You did. But God's got a heritage for you too. And can I tell you this? You are sitting in this room because somebody prayed for you when they didn't even know you. You're sitting here today, hearing the gospel, worshiping God, getting prayers of faith for your needs because hundreds of people have prayed for you that never even met you. The founding pastor of this church and his family were praying for you 40 plus years ago. And some of you weren't even born yet. But you were being prayed for. God's plan always depends on succession through the generations. God's plan has always depended on a succession from one generation to another. It's a long haul from Abraham to Jesus. And some of you, if, you, if you're not a Bible reader, maybe you don't know what that really means, but, but God's salvation plan, it started in the Garden of Eden, but it really became focused with Abraham because out of Abraham, all the seed of the earth was going to be blessed. And that's big through Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of Abraham. It, but it's a long haul from Abraham to Jesus. Somebody got to pass it down generation after. You say, I hate reading all those genealogies. Well, just get this lesson from all the genealogies. God didn't lose track of one generation. He didn't lose track of one set of children or their children's children or their children's children's children because every link in the chain was essential to pass the truth and the move and the work and the plan of God to save the world had to be moved from one generation to another. It's a long haul from Jesus to us too. And even though we believe Jesus is coming soon, it may be a longer haul from your children to their grandchildren than we might think. It may not ever happen. We might, might not ever get that far, but we got to act like we are. We got to invest in the next generation because I'm going to tell you what, the generation he's about to talk about is the one that can reach this culture with the gospel. Here's one of the saddest scriptures in the Old Testament, Judges 2.10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, that means died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. What a sad statement. A whole generation grew up in Israel that didn't know about the Red Sea parting, didn't know about the Jordan River backing up, didn't know about manna from heaven, didn't know about insurmountable odds when they fought their enemies, didn't know any of that, didn't know about the glory cloud covering them in the desert, didn't know because somebody didn't pass the baton. They dropped it. God help us not drop the baton. And Pastor Seth's going to come and answer some more questions about this younger generation. Come on, brother. I've been tasked to talk from the younger generation of this church 
as the youth pastor and one who's been working with them for 16 years full-time and another three years volunteer. I'm almost two decades into this. Uh, now I feel old. Uh, saying that. But almost two decades in the youth ministry, and I love teens. I love college students, and I love young adults. I love their hearts to make a difference. And unlike previous generations, especially mine, millennials, uh, the millennials, I, I'm not a Gen Zer, which is who we're going to be talking about also. Uh, I, I love their hearts to make a difference. Unlike the previous generations that are not as driven, they're not as driven by money as others, but are more concerned with making a difference and an impact around the world around them. Uh, I want to tell you a story about a kid in my youth group. I love him. He's here this morning. His name's Chance. So I gave, I gave all the youth, well, I gave about 20 youth last year a $5 bill, and I asked them to multiply that. Talking about, I just, I, I'm trying to show you how this generation works. So I gave Chance a $5 bill for which he went and bought a box of lollipops, wasn't it? Box of lollipops. He takes it to school, he sells those lollipops. For two weeks, he sells the lollipops. And with that $5, Chance turns it to $80 turns it back in to our youth ministry because he believes in speed the lot and changing the world. I can give you teenager after teenager from this generation. If God gives them a goal, it's almost always he uses that entrepreneurial spirit and gives them a dream of how to produce. I'm blown away every time. I've watched kids give, we watched, she was here last, last uh, week, we watched Sierra Davis give over $8,000 to speed the lot. Not from fundraising, but from a job that God gave her, from jobs and ideas and dreams. And I remember Dell and Pam cheering her on the first year when she wanted to hit $1,000. And she came to Dell and Pam after we did something like this and said, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. And they handed her $100 and got her there. And they don't want me... Uh, bragging on them, but they, as another generation, saw potential in our generation and did something magnificent like that. So a word from the younger church generation. What do we want from this older generation? And I've got, I'm going to tell you, most of this research is Barna, but it came from uh, Brady Shearer, uh, Church Multiplication. Uh, and I. what is the name of his ministry? I've Pro, pro church tools. He's a big deal. Uh, he researches church and church life. He tries to help churches out. So what, what do you want the older generation to know? And I want to give you some distinctives of Generation Z, uh, the teenagers, the college kids up to 25 uh, in this room. Uh, this uh, Gen Z are the most likely of any generation to report seeking help regarding their men mental health. Within Gen Z, more than 8 in 10 report at least one instance of dramatic experience. So how, how can we help with that? Um, they, they, they deal, this generation deals, I, I hear this in youth ministry a lot, mental health issues. Mental health issues. I'm having, back, back in the day, we would call it depression, or we would call it 
uh, other things like that, but they really struggle. I don't know that they struggle more. What it is is I think they identify it, and they're not afraid to identify it. And so they eight out of every 10 say that they're struggling with that. So what's, what's, my, what's your goal? How can you help by being a godly role model? Uh, we need to see people succeed. We need to see people who've made it through, who've been successful. And I love what Ralph Waldo Emerson says, one of my favorite quotes, what, you do, what you're doing speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. You can tell somebody all you want, do this, do this, do this, but if you're not living it, it's useless. Older generation in this church You've lived through lots of battles. You've fought lots of battles. You've gone through lots of things. We need to see you make it. We need you to be successful. And we need to know how you did that. Uh, there's two men in this church, not just two. I could go on. I could spend this whole sermon talking about some of the older people in this room and who have passed on that made a significant difference in my life. But I want to talk about two of them real quick. Number one is a man named David Buckhannon. David Buckhannon was my ranger commander. I came in at five, at the end of being five, the beginning of being six. And I was, I, as you can tell, I'm 88 And I, I run around, I was very active. I know none of y'all can tell that about me. And I, I was, I got in trouble a lot. So in the first grade, I got my son's age. I got in trouble a lot. I, I used to be in trouble in children's church. I used to, but I remember the first day I walked into Lake City during Rangers. David Buckhannon was my commander. And David Buckhannon looked at me and he said, Tonight, I want to give you an Indian name. Tonight, he takes me, this is just me and him at six. You're going to be Soaring Eagle. Now, that might not mean much to you, but that became a prophetic word over my life that God would do something with somebody who was a problem or how I felt in the moment. David Buckhead, until the, I got to be there, the, 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 me and Pastor did, the few days before he died. I'll never forget that day when I walked into his room I don't know if he heard me, but I looked over him and I said, Commander Buckhannon, you'll never know, in tears, you'll never know how many people you saved their lives. You'll never know how many people met the cross because of you. You gave me courage. You did so much for me. And I walked out of the room and a few days later, he passed away. I, I'll, ne I'll never forget that day because me and Pastor Gary got in the car. We sat there. We didn't even talk to each other. We just cried. And there's another person in this church that made such a big difference for me, and his name was Jim McClellan. And if you've never met Jim McClellan, you missed out on life. That man was so inspirational, so loving, he looked to change people's lives for the good. He looked to do good. He was over our host team. And I'll never forget all the times that I, there were times, and none of y'all know this, I would call him up and say, Jim, when I get older, I want to be just like you. And he would just brush it off. But Jim, everybody he touched, he, he made such a significant difference in.
I want to love people the way Jim did. I want what he has. This generation needs what you got. And just because you're older doesn't mean we don't need it. And I needed what he had. I needed David Buckhannon to prophesy over my life at six. That word sticks with me as a 37-year-old man. It still resonates in my mind when there's been times in youth ministry I wanted to quit and give up. I hear, no, you're soaring eagle. You're going to soar above the rest. God's going to use you. Because of people like Jim McClellan, David Buckhannon, people like that second thing. Whew, sorry. Do not write this generation off because of their phones and their culture. I know when you see this generation, this is what you see. They spend an average of six hours a day on it. That's stats too. It drives you crazy. I know. This is not me advocating for them spending six hours a day on this, teenagers. But it's the very fact that they can connect to the entire world that they can change the entire world. And the very thing that drives you crazy is the very thing that could spread the gospel quicker than you ever did. Do not look past this generation because of their phones and their culture and their cultural problems and they're an issue and they're a problem. I'm sure your generation had some of those. They were just quieted. Right? Theirs is on full display 24-7, 365 all the time. On major screens and every failure, every issue, every problem. See, this is the first generation that truly does not know what life is like without a smartphone. It has also been said that this is the, the first post-Christian generation. And our teens are living in a digital Babylon. But teens in this church, they want to make a difference. They want to take a stand and make a difference. I hear their hearts every week. I hear the call for their friends. I, hear, I see the tears at the altars. Just because they're different doesn't mean they don't want to make a difference. In fact, that's what their generation is driven by. Our generation is trying to be countercultural like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They need your generation to cheer them on and not write them off. And then last but not least, the last distinctive, we have a responsibility to mentor young Christians on what it means to hold on to orthodoxy. That's a big word I never use. So let's define it. Why do we believe what we believe and why is it important to resist the culture? Orthodoxy. While at the same time acknowledging the wrongdoings of our own faith. In other words, this is what I'm saying to you. In other words, we must be transparent about not being perfect, but being directed. I would say one of the biggest struggles of me as a teenager, and I, I hate sharing this, was everybody looked perfect and like they had it all together and there was very little transparency. This generation is desperate to hear your stories, even the ones of failure, especially the ones of failure, with the follow-up of this is how we overcame. This is how we came over. Are the... Or even this, and dare I say this, church, 
this is how I'm struggling, and this is how I'm trying to overcome. Nobody ever wants to say that in church. Transparency opens the hearts of these teenagers. See, in other words, we must be transparent about not being perfect, but being directed. If all our generation sees are your wins, then we, then the first time we fail, we're done because we think we're over. There's no other chance. There's no other way we can succeed. Let us know how you missed the mark, but then how you overcame. What what does this generation receive? What's different about an entrepreneurial spirit? I told you that in a heart to make a difference. That is who they are. They are known as publishers. Me and Pastor Gary read a whole book on it, uh, Meet Gen Z. They're publishers. What does that mean? That's why they're on Instagram. That's why they're on social media. Everything. Who they it's not just a profile, it's who they are. So when they make a post, it's who I am. And so these people, these, I say people, this generation uses that as an outlet to express who they are. It's not a good thing sometimes. It's not the right thing sometimes, and it can be directed differently, but it also can be one of the greatest tools this world has ever seen to spread the gospel. You get a teenager on fire, (laughs) and they use all their publishing abilities Imagine the world they can change. Imagine the people they can make a difference in. See, the con- what, what do we owe the older generation? I think the continuation to carry the torch of faith into a godless generation. If you're cheering for us and helping coach us instead of just criticizing, we can move forward and change our world. The majority of people in the world, 93% of all salvations happen under the age of 21. So like this generation or not, this generation is the vessel that must continue the gospel. I want to answer three questions about the older generation. First, what has the older generation given? The Bible deals with groups of people many times, particularly in the Old Testament. As a group, what has the people, let's just say 65 and up, what have they given? I'll just say this, if you ever see a, I've said this several times lately, if you ever see a turtle on the top of a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. (laughs) And, And all of us stand on the shoulders of the preceding generations the ones that died for our freedom, the ones that worked themselves to death to develop industry and business and inventions and innovations, the preachers that paid the ultimate price to continue the gospel, the missionaries that laid their lives down to take the gospel around the world, the people that even gave their lives to have the Bible translated into our language. Many, many people died just trying to get the Bible translated into English. What do we what did this older generation give? Anything that you enjoy today has previous generations fingerprints on it. And so they've given so much. They've paid and prayed the price. 
keepers, the scriptures, revival, salvation, church planning, many times at the cost of their lives. How many of you have a veteran? You are a veteran or you have a veteran in your family? Look around. Hold them up. We owe you. We owe you. I have numbers of, I have had numbers of veterans in my heritage. I have, as I said, my grandparents who served God all the way through the Depression, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam, the Jesus People Revolution, as well as the flower child thing and the whole free love and sex and blah, 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 and Watergate and everything. You know that charitable giving was at an all-time high percentage-wise during the Great Depression? We talk about the Great Generation. They were called Great Generation for a lot of reasons. And the biggest reason was courage and sacrifice. Courage, sacrifice, tenacity, and determination. So here's my question to the, about the older generation. What do you still have to give? What do you still have? Some of you, your physical capacity is diminished. Your ability to drive at night has diminished. And it greatly curtails what you're able to do and be involved in. What do you still have to give to the following generations behind you? I got, I'm glad you asked that question. You have the legacy of your stories that declare God's faithfulness. Hear me, hear me, hear me. My heart is to not let any of you pass on to your reward in heaven without downloading your legacy into the generations behind you. And I consider myself one of them. You have the legacy of your stories of God's amazing faithfulness. Don't die without telling them over and over. Don't die without finding somebody like me or Seth or Mallory or Emma. Don't, don't, don't die and not share your story. You have too much experience that's valued by Scripture and by us to let it go to the grave with no receiver. Second thing, you have the treasure of hard-earned wisdom from painful lessons learned. You have the treasure of hard-earned wisdom from painful lessons learned. Anybody here that's got gray hair say, I learned some things. Raise your hand. I learned some things. Guess what? Some of us don't know what you learned because you hadn't told us. Are people wise because they're old? No. Are people foolish because they're young? No. But I'm telling you, those that are old have, have lived in a way that those that are young have not. I've been young, but you hadn't been old. <laughs> and believe it or not, even though I ain't got any hair, I still got a memory, and I remember what it's like to be your age. So we got an edge. That doesn't mean we're automatically wise, but usually we at least have the opportunity to know some things by experience. Hard lessons learned that we could save you a whole lot of heartache 
if you just had ears to hear. Third thing. What do you have to give? Faith-filled prayers and encouragement to not quit. You have been through stuff and you didn't quit and you know what it takes. It's like a football team. Remember that goes through adversity. You heard Nick Saban say this. You've heard these pro coaches. Oh, we went through adversity, but we persevered. We're winners because we know what it takes to win. Some of you sitting here, you know what it takes to keep on walking in faith when all hell has broken loose on your life. You have some hard-earned lessons and you have some encouragement you can give that nobody but somebody like you can give. You have a patient understanding and a listening ear you can give. So what do you owe the younger generation? Everything God's blessed you with. You say, I don't owe them nothing. They won't give me the time of day. You owe this next generation, and I'm talking about my generation and his generation and his generation. You owe us whatever God has blessed you with. And you owe us to go first if you have to, not wait on somebody to come, you, come to you and beg you for it. So what does that mean? It means you owe this generation to pass the treasure on and not let it die with you. Is that scary? I remember Pastor Seth when I was a youth pastor, believe it or not. I remember walking into John Overton High School in Nashville, Tennessee, sweaty palms, heart palpitating because I was walking into the lunchroom of one of the larger high schools in Nashville. I was just going to walk in there and bust all up in there and just sit down and act like they wanted me there <laughs> and try to share and show Jesus. And it scared the heebie-jeebies out of me. I was a grown man, but it was intimidating. I understand some of you older folks it may be intimidating to go introduce yourself. It wouldn't be with this guy, but introduce yourself to one of these young folks. You may not want to go and say, hi to Iva, hi Iva, I'm, I'm Gary. I sure would like to pray for you. How can I pray for you? What's going on? You may be intimidated by that, Grandma. Can I tell you, it could make all the difference in the world. It could make all the difference in the world. Shelly up here asking you to get some names of girls to pray for. can make all the difference in the world. So you owe it to pass it on and to go first, even if it's scary. By the way, old folks, you've been through scary stuff before. Raise your hand, come on. You've been through scary stuff before and you're going to let a 14-year-old intimidate you? You don't want to have to answer to our maker on that one. You say, but what if I approach somebody and they just blow me off? Try again. What if they blow me off again? Try again. It's that important.
You owe them the opportunity, listen to me, to develop their gifts, try new things. I'm talking about in church. And even lead. You hear me? Even lead with your support. No, they may not sing all your songs. No, they may not do it like we used to do it. But you owe it to this new generation to help raise them up to leadership. Because that is the only way the gospel will continue. And that is the only way we will reach this nation for Jesus. It's my commitment to you older generations to help you leave your legacy in a way that will impact the following generations. That's my commitment to you to help you do that. And this morning is an attempt at this. I want you to find a way to leave a blessing behind. Find a way to offer your wisdom. Find a way to tell your stories that will inspire and give reference points to our new generations to navigate their current challenges. If you're over 65, I just want you to hear me. If you're over 65 in this room today and you're willing to do the following things, write down the top five life lessons you've learned. Write them down. Five treasured truths to your heart that you think anybody needs to successfully navigate this life. Five treasures. You can make ten if you want to, but I'm just asking for five. If you're willing to write them down and prepare to share them with a person younger than you, I'm not even talking about a teenager. I'm talking about a gen- anybody that's your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren's age, any of them. If you're willing to write down lessons and make a commitment to share it with somebody from the younger generation that we're going to give you an opportunity to meet here in a minute. If you're willing to do that, you're willing to get their phone number and talk to them once a week for one month. Talk to them once a week for one month and ask them, how can I pray for you? And then pray for them. And you're willing to have dinner or lunch with them one time. One time. One time in the next month. If you're up for all three of those, those challenges and you're over 65, I want you to stand up and come stand here with me. Now, we were, we're, time's burning. I'm getting older every second. You're willing to do that. Come stand right here and face this congregation. Stand right across here and face this congregation. And if you're not ready to do that, that's okay. I'm, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to not trying to guilt anybody into anything. I'm giving you an opportunity to download your legacy. Now what we're doing, we're giving them a little makeshift baton. It's PVC and no, I didn't have time to paint it. Still got all the markings on it, but we want them to write your phone number and your name on this little PVC pipe. Write your phone number and your name. Just go ahead and do it. Now, while they're doing that, you, you see the commitment they're making. They're willing to try to articulate life lessons for you. They're willing to eat a meal with you in the next month. They are willing to pray for you every week and find out what 
whatever you'll tell them that they can pray about. Now, if you're young enough to be their child or their grandchild and on down, and you would like to return the favor, you will be willing to hear their five life lessons. You will find time to eat with them in the next month. And you will, if they don't call you first, you will call them and tell them what you want to pray for, them to pray for, and you will be willing to ask them the same thing. If that's you, anywhere from 15 to 45, I don't know. I want you to come and stand in front of one of them right now. Come on. Come on, come on, just come stand in front of one of them. And it really, I mean, there may be one particularly you want to stand in front of, but, but that's okay. And probably best guys with guys and girls with girls, but come on. Come on. You, you don't have to be a teenager to do this. Yeah, there you go. Young couple here. These guys got four children, but they, they want spiritual fathers. Come on. And it, hey, some of these guys can handle more than one. So if they're, if they're taken up, Come on, y'all come on around, Philip. Come on. Come on. We got a card for the young people and we got a card for the older generation. That card is just to write phone numbers down, okay? You're going you're gonna to give these younger people your, your PVC pipe with your name and number on it. And the, the cards are for you to keep. You can, you can, you're going to get their phone number there, okay? So young people, you don't have to write their phone number on it. That, that card's not... That, you're going to keep that card. It's just to remind you of the commitment you're making. Okay? Now. Okay. All of you, would you stand, please? Would you stretch your hands in this direction? Come on, balcony everywhere. Would you stretch your hands toward these people? Would you help me pray that there will be a transmission of a legacy this morning? I can't tell you how strongly I feel about this. This is not just some kind of gimmick. This is not a gimmick. Things are in the balance here. Things are in the balance. Now, I want you all to go ahead and practice right here. I want you to pray for one another, would you? Older generation, lay your hands on these young ones. Young ones, y'all pray for the people that are praying for you. Come on, here. We, we, these, these ladies need somebody to stand in front of them. Come on, pray with me, congregation. Father, we pray for these generations coming together. We pray for these generations coming together. We pray, God, that You would help them articulate the treasure You have given them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray You would, you would move the older hearts for the younger and the younger for the older, just like Your Word says You would do in the days of when Elijah uh, is, appears. Lord God, that You would turn the hearts of one generation to the other one and You would bridge the gap and treasure would be shared and lives would be molded and people would be, would be encouraged, built up and empowered in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, I see one lady right here needs somebody in front of her. If, if one of you ladies particularly, you would really like to get in on this. This lady needs somebody in front of her. And if, you, if, you, if you're not willing to walk up here, I'll connect you with her later. Right here. Hallelujah. Now can we just thank God for what He's doing to bridge gaps this morning? Raise your hands to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're one. The old, the young, and everything in between. We are one. And Lord, we are strong. And you have given us an inheritance, oh God, that will be passed from generation to generation. And there will be no gaps in this house. There will be no gaps in this family. And Lord, you will raise up spiritual mothers and fathers because they are being mothered and fathered. Lord God, do it. Let the relationship develop that will give strength and courage and wisdom and love and acceptance and guidance and direction and clarity because of this relationship. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Go sign up for a life group and invite one of these people to go with you.